Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. We have another episode of the Real Housewives of Atlanta for you. The ladies are heading to Portugal for a healing trip, Sechere, but we'll they're actually be healing and we have the season 14 premiere of the real housewives of new york and these girls are bringing it they're bringing a brand new energy something fresh something original they are not trying to be anything but themselves and i greatly appreciate it uh listen I would have normally recapped Crappy Lake on this episode, but I had a company outing at a Braves game, so I did not get to watch and recap. But don't worry, that's going to be on Friday's episode of this recap, Bravo Tea with Jared B, Crappy Lake, and the Real Housewives of Orange County on Friday's episode. Not only that, for all those Below Deck fans out there, I am interviewing Alex Propson from season four of Below Deck Sailing Yacht. So Friday, we're going to have two episodes. We're going to have the recap of Crappy Lake and Real Housewives of Orange County. And we're going to have a separate interview that is also going to be recorded for you to watch on YouTube with Alex Propson. And you can also listen to it everywhere you can listen to a podcast. So let's get into today's podcast episode. So we have The Real Housewives of Atlanta. This is season 15, episode 8, titled Healing by Sheree. So we start off this episode with brunch at Drew Sedora's house. Uh, Yet there's another brunch. I feel like this is the third or fourth brunch that has happened this season. Drew and Ralph are hosting the ladies for a brunch before they leave for Portugal. And the men of the ladies on the show will be cooking the food. First thing I had to point out is what on earth is Drew Sedora wearing? It is apparently after Thanksgiving last year, and she's wearing a neon yellow pantsuit with a neon blue, what, bikini top under a blazer? Like these, when I say neon, if you watch, you know what I'm talking about. It's literally the color of highlighters. So like the yellow highlighter and that blue highlighter Literally the same color. And I know color blocking is a thing, but I don't know about this, Drew. I don't know about this. Try again. (laughs) Try again. Another thing I wanted to point out is Ralph's little speech to Drew about the men getting along and wanting to spread that energy to the ladies. Um, It's giving me and my wife ran lines before we filmed today. That's what it's giving me. And one thing that I have always felt about watching Drew and Ralph in their scenes is that everything feels rehearsed. And now even even Drew in her confessional says throwing this brunch for the ladies feels out of left field because she rarely sees him cooking in the kitchen. So even Drew feels like this is a bit performative, but Drew decides to believe that it's a kind gesture of Ralph showing up for her. No, no, Drew, that's not it. What the real issue is, is that um, you're about to go to Portugal. Your husband's about to go to Vegas. And based on what I saw in the previews for next week, the producer that was oiling your husband down in your music video is the same producer that asked your husband to perform in Chocolate City, which is the magic mic, the black Magic Mike show in Las Vegas. So I think what it seems like to me is Ralph is trying to butter butter Drew up before she leaves for Portugal and before he leaves for Vegas. So he's like, you know, let me do a kind gesture for my wife before I go to Vegas and start creeping on her. I think that's what's actually going on. But, you know, allegedly, allegedly, I don't want to be sued, even though I'm nobody at this point. I don't want down the line. Drew Sedora or Ralph listens to this podcast episode and, you know, I get sued for defamation. So allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. 
I just got <laughs> I got to do it. <laughs> so all the ladies arrive and they're sitting around the table. Sanya and Sheree ask Marlo, how are things going with Scotley? Um, Marlo's like, things are going well. I'm having a good time. But in Candy's confessional, she says that she's met Scotley before and didn't see him as Marlo's type because Marlo doesn't like to have sex, but instead likes to have a man spend money on her before the sex happens. And Candy, sa- Candy says, whore behavior. Um, listen, Candy and the rest of the ladies of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, I'm going to need you guys to come up with better insults about Marlo Hampton other than calling her a whore, a hooker, a criminal, you know, prostitute, all of the above. You guys have been saying the same things about her for like over a decade at this point. It's not original. It is low hanging fruit. None of what they're saying about Marlo is shocking at this point because we've heard it before. Come up with something new. Please. Now, Kenya is shocked to hear that Drew was cast in Todd's movie instead of her. And then Drew has a shady confessional moment and says that the last movie Kenya Moore was in was 22 years ago. But that's not true because I did go on Kenya Moore's IMDB page and the last movie she was in was, I believe, Sharknado 4 in 2016. So that is not true, Drew. Now, if you're wondering, yes, Kenya Moore has acted before. Even I have seen Kenya Moore make guest appearances in movies and television shows. Like I said, I went to her IMDB page and pretty much Kenya had you know, guest speaking roles on the movie Waiting to Exhale, which stars the legendary and late Whitney Houston, uh, Loretta Devine, and of course, the one and only Angela Bassett. So, Kenya Moore was in Waiting to Exhale. She was also in a movie called Deliver Us from Eva, starring Gabrielle Union, and I believe LL Cool J. She she also made an appearance on LL Cool J's sitcom back in the day called In the House. I remember that show, In the House. That was one of my favorites as a kid. And then she also made an appearance on the Steve Harvey show. And like I said, Sharknado 4. Among like other movies Kenya has been in, but I've never seen or really heard of them. So Kenya has acting experience, but I don't think Kenya Moore nor Drew Sedora would be at the top of my list to cast as a lead in my movie. No shade. But, like, you know, I want an actor. And, yes, Drew Sador has been in things, you know, she'll tell you. She was in the first step up. Um, she played T-Boz in the TLC movie on Lifetime. Um, I believe she also was on this uh, show called The Game that originally started, I think, on UPN, went to the CW, got canceled, then went to BET, um, and then after Tia Maori and the other guy who played Derwin, uh, her husband on that show, they left the show. And then I believe Brandy, the singer, and Drew were casted on that show. So I think that's the last thing I saw Drew in. Or, well, I, I, honestly, I didn't really watch the game after Tia Maori left because I watched the show for Tia Maori. So, yeah. But. Ooh, sorry, following along with my notes. So Kenya gets a FaceTime from her boyfriend, Roy, and then we find out that Marla has been on a date with him. So Kenya steps away from the table to have a conversation with him. Marla says that Roy slid in her DMs, and uh, yes, she has the receipts to prove it. So Kenya comes back to the table. Of course, the ladies, while Kenya walked away, are talking about the fact that Marlo and Kenya happen to even talk to the same man. And Kenya comes back to the table and she was like, uh, well, I'm glad that he went out with you and realized that you weren't the one. So he learned what not to do. And listen, of course, the ladies are going to pounce on this moment. Uh, The ladies heard this tidbit of info and started cracking jokes about Kenya and Marlo dating the same man. And then Candy starts laughing. And I think Sanya said, Candy, what you laughing at? And she said, I'm laughing and thanking God it ain't me today. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> Candy's like, I get a day off. The girls are not coming for me. They are coming for Kenya. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, but you know, this secretly got under Kenya Moore's skin that she and Marlo even talked to the same man. But I think that Kenya played it off well. But I know, listen, I know Kenya wasn't feeling it inside. Um, <laughs> then Sheree, uh, has a hilariously shady moment and asks Drew randomly at the table if the chef working the brunch will get, will get paid because she read on the internet, on the blogs that Drew did not pay her chef and now it has turned into a lawsuit. Um, and then... I have to say that Drew Sedora handled the shady moment really well because she explained that it's being handled by her attorney, which is the proper response. And she said that the chef was not actually a chef, but simply just a girl looking to make a meal. Um, And then we find out the chef is suing Drew for a thousand dollars. And the ladies are like, a thousand dollars? I can pay that for you. I am confused by this because I thought like maybe it's, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever, you know, something over the amount of $5,000. So to hear that Drew is being sued for $1,000 for a chef, from a chef, I would just pay her the money and move on. Why, why have to pay the lawyer thousands of dollars, you know, to work this out when you could just pay $1,000 and be like, here, girl, go on your way. Go on your way and learn how to cook some actual food. Go to culinary school. Use this $1,000 to get yourself a proper culinary education. That's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. But maybe Drew does not want to pay the chef to make it seem like to the public that she was actually in the wrong. Maybe that's why Drew didn't want to pay that $1,000 bill. Because otherwise, Drew, you don't have $1,000, and this is your third or fourth season on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. What is going on? (laughs) Now, I also must point out that Sheree Whitfield should be the last one to talk about her unpaid bills. Because as long as Sheree has been on the show, she has been plagued with rumors that she does not pay her bills. Sheree has even admitted at a reunion to Andy Cohen that she will not pay someone for their services if they don't provide quality service. So, uh, she by she don't pay those bills sometimes. Okay? (laughs) Sheree, pay your bills, because we're always going to hear about it on the internet. But also, in defense of Sheree Whitfield, a housewife's job is to ask the important questions for moments like this to happen on the show. And so, listen, Sheree did it. We we had a little shady moment at the the brunch table. And, you know, Candy's like, on that note, (laughs) it's time for me to go. And Candy goes outside, calls Todd, is like, we're wrapping this up. Let's move. Why is Candy not staying for scenes? Like, why is Candy always ready to go? It feels like Candy is showing up to fulfill her contractual obligations, excuse me, and then to go. Like, it, it's kind of feeling like Candy doesn't really want to be there. And Candy Burr's better watch out because if she does actually want to be on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, she better watch out because they might end up being rebooted like the Real Housewives of New York, especially because Candy is the highest paid on that show. Candy gets paid like over $2 million per season and probably bonuses as well. And so, Candy, listen, ratings are low. So if the show is not making an ad revenue, what they are paying all of you guys, something has to happen. And maybe you, Candy, have to go. I'm not saying I want you to go, Candy, but I'm saying, like, tread lightly because Things are changing in the Bravo universe. The Royal Housewives of New York is back, and they might put all you girls on notice. All of you. So we get to the trip to Portugal. The ladies gather and leave for their trip. Um, When the ladies arrive, we find out that Candy was in the bathroom on the airplane for hours 
because of food poisoning. Now, candy is better than me because if I had food poisoning before an eight-hour flight, I would have not gotten on that flight until my stomach and my bowels were in order. Because I know the times that I've had stomach issues, the times I've had food poisoning, I'm sweating, laid out, in pain, on my bathroom floor, calling on the name of Jesus to end the current hell I'm living. And you can't do that on an eight-hour flight to Portugal. So my hat goes off to Candy because she's better than me. So maybe Candy does want to. <laughs> maybe Candy does want to be there, really, really badly, to endure food poisoning on a flight to Portugal. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You would have had to roll me out on a stretcher just for food poisoning. When I get sick, I become miserable. It feels like I'm dying. And I just sometimes want to be taken care of. But I'm single. So I'm only taking care of myself. But don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm having a good time. (laughs) So now Sheree gives the ladies a pep talk in the Sprinter van on the way to the hotel. Sheree is like, Girls, this is a healing trip. This trip is about positive vibes and healing broken relationships. Like I said earlier, Sheree, you know damn well, no healing happens on girls' trips. Chaos happens on girls' trip, which is why we enjoy cash trips, because it is lightning in a bottle for what, four, five, six days? So the ladies arrive at their hotel. I believe they're in Algarve, Algarve. Portugal, it's beautiful. They're right on the coast. And now I want to go to that part of Portugal. I've only, of course, heard of Lisbon. But listen, I will check out Algarve, Portugal. And uh, I have to say, can you please take some notes? Because this is how you do accommodations for a cash trip, even if it's to Birmingham, Alabama. So the ladies, I believe, are chilling in the lobby or or maybe like sitting down at a restaurant in the hotel. And we find out that Ralph is in Vegas performing in the show Chocolate City, which is like the black magic mic. And Drew says in her confessional that she can't help but wonder what Ralph is doing in Vegas. Listen, if I were you, Drew, I'd be wondering what Ralph was doing in Vegas as well. Because we still don't know what Ralph was doing in Tampa, Florida for three days when he decided to leave the house and his kids without telling you to go to the beach. Because he needed some quiet time. Meanwhile, he is married. Meanwhile, he has kids. And meanwhile, he passed several beaches, several beaches to get to the beach in Tampa, Florida. So listen, just simply based on the fact that your husband disappeared, you know, and you couldn't get in contact with him, and now you were in Portugal, and he is in Vegas, I would be concerned too. And I think this is why we saw some of the emotions at the end of the episode from Drew. I think we are... We're starting to see cracks in the foundation of Drew and Ralph. Um, but then <laughs> Sanya says something funny. This is I feel like this is the first moment that Sanya has been on the show that she's made me kind of laugh. Uh, Sanya <laughs> says, well, ladies, let's get ready to hit these streets to see who gets recognized first so we see who's really worldwide. And if you don't know what Sanya was referring to, that is a nod to last season when Marlo and Candy got into an argument after Marlo said that Candy is only known in Atlanta. And Candy was like, bitch, I'm worldwide. Now, listen, to end this, listen, I don't know if the ladies walk through the streets of Portugal if Candy's going to be recognized by people. You know, I don't know if the, are people in Portugal watching The Real Housewives? I know they have access to, there are other apps. Excuse me, I have to get some water. My throat is drying out. Lord have mercy. There are other streaming apps available in other countries to watch Bravo shows. But I don't know if, like, The Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, is on the top of the list of the people of Portugal. Now, I will say, 
that Candy is worldwide in a way because Candy has written songs that are known worldwide, like No Scrubs by TLC, or, you know, I think Bugaboo by Destiny's Child. Um, so, like, Candy is kind of worldwide. But we jump to this moment that happens between Monietta and Drew on the balcony of the hotel. Monietta points out to Drew that south of where they are is the continent of Africa. And Drew's like, oh, I've never been to Africa. I've only been to South Africa. Lord have mercy. These ladies in Atlanta are not passing the geography test. Not at all. First, it's Kenya thinking Portugal is part of Spain. And then it's Drew not knowing that South Africa is in Africa. Let us pray. But we find out that Monietta has an orphanage in Swaziland, which is between South Africa and Mozambique. And in this moment, I think it hit me. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And say that I think that Monietta should be a full-time housewife next season. I would like to get to know Monietta more because I think that she has a lot to offer the show. Because all I know about her is that she's the ex-wife of Neo. And anytime I see her on the show, I'm just thinking the ex-wife of Neo. And Monietta is more than just the ex-wife and the mother, mother, excuse me, the mother of um, Neo's kids. Like, so I want to see more Monietta. And I also have to say, it's good to see Monietta connect with someone else in the group because I feel like she always sticks with Candy and Kenya because that's who she's actually friends with. And I feel like if you're going to stay on the show and you're going to be within this group, especially if you're going to become a full-time housewife, you need to cultivate relationships with almost everyone. You need to have a relationship with Candy, Kenya, Drew, Sanya, Marlo. Yeah. Am I missing another one? Oh, Sheree. Sheree. Lord, that's not good. I forgot Sheree was a full-time housewife. Hell to the nah. <laughs> so we get to the next scene. Uh, we're having dinner at a local restaurant, beautiful restaurant. And see, in this moment, I love me some Drew. Drew orders shots of tequila because what else do you do when you're on vacation in Portugal? Order tequila, take some shots. And the banter at the table starts off light. It starts off fun. And of course, things take a turn. So Sheree mentions yet again that the intention for this trip is for healing, to put everything out on the table if something has been weighing on you. And, of course, Cousin Courtney takes a moment uh, with Kenya because Cousin Courtney is like, Kenya, I did not know that I, you and I had issues. Like, I was told by my girl Drew or my girl Sheree that, like, you felt like I was violating your space. And, you know, in this moment, Kenya is checking her makeup in the reflection of the knife, not giving her the time of day. But at least Kenya responded. And basically, Kenya was like, listen, we don't know each other like that. And, like, in the moment, I thought we were having fun banter, and then you started getting a little shady, and it wasn't fun anymore. So I wanted to let you know that you crossed some boundaries, and you need to hop your ass back over that line. And then she turns to Drew and is like, and I appreciate the fact that you let your cousin Courtney know that I am not the one that she needs to back up. That's basically what happened. <laughs> and so then <laughs> Drew has her turn. And Drew mentions that although we've come a might excuse me, although we've come a mighty, mighty long way, Drew mentions the fact that she felt let down by Sheree because Sheree was talking about this private chef lawsuit behind her back. So Sheree feels like Drew lied about her business, she by Sheree, when Drew said on the radio that after last season's reunion, the she by uh, the She by Sheree merch was taken from the cast after it was given to them while cameras were rolling for the reunion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Drew mentions that she thought that they resolved this matter in the IV place weeks ago. I agree. I agree with Drew. Not only did this conversation happen weeks ago, but at this moment, 
Kenya and Candy confirmed that they were told to give back the She by Sheree merch. Sandy said that she didn't get any uh, She by Sheree merch, but Marlo <laughs> and Marlo in her confessional is wearing She by Sheree <laughs> merchandise. Marlo's like, I-, I got all my stuff. I got some shirts. I got some hats. I love my She by Sheree. But apparently Marlo has a connection at She by Sheree or Marlo actually purchased She by Sheree. And listen, the other ladies, they didn't get no merch. But I I mean, listen, if Drew is saying that they had to give the merchandise back, if Candy and Kenya are co-signing, I'm sorry, Sheree, but I'm inclined to believe what Drew is saying. Maybe you had samples of your merch that you wanted to show on the reunion to show that, you know, She by Sheree is up and running and waiting for sales. But the truth of the matter is, is that all you brought on that reunion was all you had in merchandise. Maybe all the stuff was not made at the time. And that's why She by, not She by Sheree, that's why Sheree, Sheree Whitfield asked for the product back. So listen, I, I listen, I'm on team Drew with this one. And I usually don't claim teams. I think this is a first. I'm team Drew with this. But let me tell you something. In this moment, I feel like Drew gathered Sheree all the way together after saying, How you doing a trip about healing when you can't even heal your damn self? And I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then the table got really quiet. People's eyes were moving all around their heads because, yeah, Drew was right. You know, in that moment, I need a healing for my soul. Give me a healing for my soul. Shout out to Kelly Price, the songstress. Um, But, yeah, one thing about Sheree Whitfield is that she can be very entertaining. But, like, in a verbal battle back and forth, Sheree rarely ever wins. Like, you know, Sheree, I think, gets in her head in the moment, and I, she lost in this moment because in this moment, Drew felt like the grounded one, felt like the mature one, and felt like the authentic one. But what was funny is that <laughs> Marlo tries to create a little sound bath moment at the table to calm every, everyone down. But back to Sheree and Drew in this moment, to me, it doesn't seem like Sheree was taking how Drew felt sincerely, but instead tried to do this like petty housewife argument thing because I think that's what Sheree thought Drew was doing. So Sheree was trying to like help create a television moment and Drew's like, no, I'm serious. Like I'm hurt by what you're doing. I'm not trying to create a moment. I'm being authentic in this moment. And then Drew gets up from the table crying, but at least Sheree got up from the table to check on Drew, including Kenya. Now, listen, I will say this. I believe that we're starting to see signs of things happening with Drew and her marriage to Ralph. Drew has been on the show for three or four seasons now, and I've never seen Drew cry. I've never seen Drew get emotional. Usually, when conflict happens, Drew is ready to take it to the mat because she's like, bitch, I'm from Chicago, Chirac. And we also see Drew express some concern when they arrive to the hotel about Ralph, what Ralph is doing in Vegas while she's in Portugal. So I think we are starting to see some things. And I also watched a clip of next week's episode. And Drew also shares the fact that uh, the producer that wanted to cast Ralph in um, the Chocolate City Magic Mike show in Vegas is the same person that was rubbing oil on uh, Ralph for Drew Sador's music video. But like, also Drew, like, this is your music video. This is your business. Um, 
Why, when you found out that the producer was oiling up your husband, how come you didn't intervene or, you know, send an assistant and be like, can we find someone else, maybe an older lady in her 90s to oil up my husband? Because my husband might be enjoying this because he's had some interactions and some suspicious situations with masseuse in the past. That is the Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> so we have the real housewives of new york this is season 14 episode one titled new era new york so before i start on this recap and discussion i have to say that i didn't realize how much this franchise meant to me until the season premiere on sunday night like, I was truly excited, like it, it was Wimbledon or the World Cup or the Super Bowl, even though I don't care about the Super Bowl. But, you know, I listen, I don't really watch American football like that, but I will watch the Super Bowl because, you know, that's the that's the grand finale of the season. So I, I get into the Super Bowl, but I didn't realize I felt this way until the season premiere of Real Housewives of New York because the Real Housewives of New York introduced me to the world of housewives because, as you know, the Real Housewives of Orange County came before, but I didn't watch that show. I don't really think I ever heard of it until I started watching the Real Housewives of New York. Roni was my favorite franchise out of all of them for several years, and I was deeply disappointed in season 13, especially how certain conversations last season were handled. And I don't partic particularly appreciate the fact that we didn't get a reunion to address the major things that happened throughout season 13. I also don't like how the fan base blames Ebony K. Williams for ruining the show when she showed up as her authentic self and confronted certain issues about race, which was actually happening at the time in this country. And some of the Bravo fans were getting a little fragile, complaining about not wanting to hear about politics and race on this show when it's a reality show and the reality is that those conversations were happening not only in the United States but around the world after the murder of George Floyd but let me tell you something some Bravo fans they could not handle it at all were on social media complaining ratings dipped down to numbers I had never seen before for the Real Housewives of New York so after Bravo announced that they were rebooting the show, which shocked me initially, initially, <laughs> excuse me, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised because the Real Housewives of New York, in my opinion, started going downhill after season 10. And the truth of the matter is, the Real Housewives of New York never truly represented the diversity that exists in New York City. I've said this many times before. I'm from Long Island, New York. I have family in Jersey. I have friends in the city. And I visit New York City often, even though it's not as often as I would like to go. New York City is the most diverse city in this country and one of the most diverse cities in the world. You can find every race, ethnicity, language, creed, and religion represented in New York City, and it's about damn time the show reflected that. So with all of that being said, <laughs> after watching the season premiere last night, I want to applaud Andy Cohen and Bravo for taking a chance on The Real Housewives of New York, despite the nonstop nasty and bitter comments from Bravo fans on social media. Now let's get to my recap. So this cast consists of Bryn Whitfield, Jenna Lyons, Jessel Tank, Cy De Silva, Uba Hassan, who is the cousin of Chanel Ayan from the Real Housewives of Dubai. And last but not least, we have Aaron Lanky. So we start off in Brooklyn with Cy De Silva. And I have to point out that I believe that this is the first housewife to live in Brooklyn 
since Alex McCord, the legendary Alex McCord, and of course, her husband, Simon, and, you know, Johan and Francois, you know, Johan face Alex, Johan face, (laughs) remember that? (laughs) Season three, Scary Island. Kelly Bensimone is taking pictures of the ladies on the beach, and Kelly's like, Johan face Alex, Johan face, (laughs) Johan face. How how sad is it that I am literally able to go back into the archives of the Real Housewives and just bring up these random scenes? Like, but listen, that's what when I think of Alex McCord, I think of, you know, Johan face Alex, Johan face. (laughs) So. Listen, OG Real Housewives in New York is over. (laughs) So we are introduced to Cy. De Silva and her family in Brooklyn. She is a Brooklyn girl born and raised. And I have to say, if I ever became rich, I would buy a brownstone in Brooklyn. If I'm going to buy a home in New York City, it's going to be a townhouse because you get more space. But my biggest concern about having a townhouse in New York City is strangers walking up the stairs in my stoop to look in my home, like Cy just mentioned, that people do to her. But then we have Auntie Bren Whitfield, and she comes to visit, and Jessel is on the way with her mother and children in tow. So now the ladies are at size, and they're discussing this dinner drama, and Bren says that she wouldn't die at catch because it's not 2005, and she's not a D-list model, and she said that she would rather go to Olive Garden. So yes, If everyone's wondering what restaurant name they were bleeping out, the name of the restaurant is called Catch, which I have heard of before. I have never been there, but like Catch was like a hot spot in like 2010, 11, 12, and it's not a hot spot. You know, of course, at this moment in 2022 at that time that they were filming. So... Bryn says that maybe if she was drunk enough, she would take friends from out of town to catch if they were from Florida. (laughs) I'm like, uh uh-oh, Bryn is out here throwing funny and bubbly shade at Catch the Restaurant and the state of Florida. (laughs) And then we are introduced to this drama called Cheesegate. Now, you guys may be wondering also why are they bleeping out the name Catch and not allowing the ladies to just say the name, and it's probably because Bravo wants to avoid a defamation lawsuit that has their cast members in the city that Catch is located in trashing the restaurant, saying, I would not be caught dead at this restaurant. And so, like, if I were production, I'm like, maybe we should bleep their name out because I don't want to get a letter from Catch. I don't want to get sued by Catch saying that we're ruining their business because this national platform, the Real Housewives, is trashing my restaurant. So I, I think that Bravo did the same thing, but I believe that maybe production should have stepped in and been like, you know, say maybe say that restaurant instead of catch so we don't have to bleep things out so many times throughout this whole episode but like i said we're introduced to this drama <laughs> cheesegate and apparently Cy wasn't too impressed by the fact that all Aaron had to eat at her home was a charcuterie board and Cy thought you know allegedly that was weird and listen i love a petty drama about a charcuterie board. But let me tell you something, Sai. Let me tell you something. I love a charcuterie board, okay? And I can hook one up. I'll give you all the cheeses, some pepper jelly, some fig jam, some red wine jam, all the nuts you like, some fruits, the meats, okay? Meat lovers, if you create enough of a spread and give your guests enough alcohol, they won't need a full meal. They might be a little gassy the next morning if you're lactose intolerant, but they won't need a full meal. And so then we jump to Washington Square Park. Aaron and Uba meet in Washington Square Park downtown, which is in Greenwich Village, if you don't know, New York City. Um, Aaron gets into the fact that she feels a little salty because she made dinner plans and nothing else in the city was available. So she picked the restaurant catch. Um, 
And one thing I know about New York City is that people are always talking about the next best bar, the next best restaurant, the next best hotel, the next best spot to hang out, the next best brunch spot. And when buzz about that place dies down, it's no longer cool to go to that place. It's very Gossip Girl in a way, but Cy and Bren apparently ditched the group dinner at Catch to go to Casa Cipriani, which is at the South Street Seaport in the Financial District, and Aaron found it obnoxious and shady. We also find out that there's going to be a girls' night. (laughs) So we get to the home of Jessel, and I, listen, I have to say, Jessel's apartment is pristine. Her apartment's in Chelsea, which is also downtown. Uh, Her apartment's pristine and i'm shocked that Sai and jessel have so much white in their home like white couches white furniture white blankets white cabinets like yo you guys have kids that's brave i'm a single man with no kids and i would never get a white couch or white furniture because i will trip and drop something or spill a glass of wine red wine which is why my car, my couch, my couch is dark gray. Like, also, I have light gray walls. So because I have light walls, I like to juxtapose that lightness with some dark, colorful furniture to balance the space. But yeah, I would never listen. I have white cabinets on in my fr- in my not in my fridge. I have white cabinets in my kitchen and listen, I dread it because I always have to clean them down cuz you know when I cook, you know, I'm splashing things, you know, when I'm doing dishes, you know, things splatter. So I I wouldn't have white cabinets. So listen, kudos to Jessel and Sai for maintaining their interior aesthetic despite the fact that they have young kids. But Jenna Lyons comes over and we find out that Jenna is hosting girls night at her place and asks the ladies to wear gold, khaki, black, or all of the above. And in this moment, we find out that Jenna Lyons was the executive creative director for J. Crew. And I have to say, when this cast was first announced, the only person I had ever heard of was Jenna Lyons. And also... When HBO Max first launched, Jenna had this reality competition show on there where she was trying to find, like, her next employee to, you know, because Jenna was expanding her business into interior design. And basically that there were, like, assignments, like, competitions of, like, can you assist with, you know, interior design of one of my clients? But also can you, because Jenna is also a celebrity stylist. So Jenna was basically trying to make sure the next person that she hires is prepared to do different things within Jenna Lyons' business. It's not just going to be fashion styling. It's not just going to be interior design. You know, there's going to be many things. And listen, I enjoy Jenna's show. So this is how I know who Jenna Lyons is. And I have to say, based on what I saw on that show, Jenna is a phenomenal interior designer. So to me, it's not surprising how beautiful her apartment is that we will see later in this episode. So after this, there's, you know, a couple of scenes where they're basically teeing up the conflict that's about to occur at Girls' Night at Jenna Lines. And you see Cy tell her husband about Cheesegate. You see Jessel FaceTime Aaron to discuss Cheesegate. So basically, production is letting us know things are about to happen and they are building the story. So we get to the next scene, and it's finally Girls' Night at Jenna's. And I first have to mention, of course, Jenna Lyons Soho apartment. If I was rich, I would make an offer right now because I love Jenna's apartment. It's warm, it's inviting, but it's chic and luxurious. It's tastefully done. 
and I expect nothing less from Jenna Lyons. Now, Erin mentions the fact that she's a realtor, and she actually is on Frederick Eklund's team from Million Dollar Listing New York and also Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Um, so, yes, Erin is on Frederick's team at, I guess, Douglas Elliman. And Erin says that she doesn't know who else Jenna's apartment would work for but Jenna. But I have to disagree with you, Erin, because it would work for me. It would work for, I think, many single men or women in New York City. I think it would work for a young couple with no kids. Um, I think that this apartment would work for many people. I have to disagree with Erin. And so all the ladies arrive except for Bryn, and Erin mentions the fact that she hasn't seen Bryn since the night Cy and Bryn ditched Erin to go to Casa Cipriani. I have to point out that I like that Erin's a straight shooter, excuse me. That's the New Yorker in her. That's what I love about being a New Yorker, and that's what I love about New Yorkers, is that we give it to you straight with no chasers. We tell it like it is. And I think there are some people in other regions of this country that should take a note out of our book and, like, be a little bit more honest about how you're feeling and, you know, don't be so (laughs) passive-aggressive. I'm having a sip of water. That's that's why there's a break. So, yes, I'm happy. Or, you know, I like the fact that Erin is a straight shooter. Um, she is a no bullshit kind of girl. And she's going to give it to you straight when no chaser. Uh, what I also appreciate is the fact that Cy owned the fact that she bailed on Erin. Like, own your shite and move on from the drama. Okay, that's how you do it. That's how a housewife does it. If there's conflict, I mean, not just how a housewife, I think in any scenario, if you have a friend, if you have a friend, if you have a family member where there's conflict, maybe not bring it up in a group setting, but like take a step aside, have a conversation and be like, hey, I don't like the fact that you did this, this and this and like address it, own it, apologize and move on. Thank you, Cy and Aaron. So then Bryn arrives last, <laughs> and she knows that she's in trouble and due for a spanking from Aaron. And then the ladies decide to play a little sex-related icebreaker game. Um, and most of the questions were about, of course, sex and porn and whether they're dominant or submissive in bed. Um, listen, I don't need to know all these things about these ladies. Um, but, you know, it's for entertainment purposes. But I, I don't care who's dominant or submissive in bed. It's none of my business. I'm not sleeping with any of them. But we are learning more about these ladies very quickly. Maybe a little bit too much too soon, but listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, So then we finally get into the drama. And even though Cy, Aaron, and Bryn are hashing out this restaurant Cheesegate drama, I love that the conflict revolves around cheese. I love that these ladies can disagree and not hit below the belt yet, This is only their first season. This is only their first episode. Things could get worse as the season progressive. But, you know, there's drama. There's conflict. But it feels light. And that's how Real Housewives used to be in the beginning. And I hope that we go back to that light, petty drama. So, like, Jenna Lyons is like, this argument is real. Ridiculous. So Aaron and Bren decide to step aside to handle this. And Aaron lets it be known in Jenna Lyons' bedroom that she feels like Bren is wishy-washy and decide to align herself with Cy. And Bren owns it. But Bren is also like, don't take things so seriously. Like, we're just joking. We're having a good time. Um, yeah. And then the beef is squashed, and then Aaron and Bren go raid Jenna's closet. And I have to say, although it was fun to watch Jenna and Bren have this moment in Jenna's closet, 
If I have friends over, I would feel some kind of way about my friends and my personal belongings trying to trying on my clothes, trying on my shoes. Like, if you know me, I don't even go in my friends' bedrooms, even if they invite me in a non-sexual way into their bedroom. Just want to clarify. I don't want y'all to listen to this and be like, ooh, Jared's friends are inviting him into their bedroom. <laughs> is there like a is there like a cuckold happening here? <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> not not a cuckold. <laughs> ooh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, listen, if if I have friends over and I find out they were going through my closet trying on my stuff, going through my stuff, I would be like, absolutely not. Hell to the no. Okay? Have some class. You don't go through people's personal belongings. Not at all. But that was the Real Housewives of New York season 14 premiere. And I have to say that I enjoyed this episode. I think this was a great introduction to the group. And I know this is only the first episode of the season, but I have high hopes for these ladies. Now, I have to mention, if this reboot of The Real Housewives of New York goes well, best believe the ladies on the other shows in the Housewife franchise will be put on notice that this reboot could happen to any of you guys. So don't get it twisted. That's all the Bravo tea I have for you today. Thank you so much for continuing to support the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Bravo Tea with Jared B. You can find us on Twitter at Bravo Tea with JB. You can find us on TikTok at Bravo Tea with Jared B. You can also find us on threads at Bravo Tea with Jared B. Continue to support, continue to subscribe, uh, give us a review, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, tell your cat, tell your dog, listen to the podcast. Um, I have another episode coming up for you on Friday. I, I, I have, okay, listen, I'm interviewing Alex Propson from Below Deck Sailing Yacht. That interview is going to be recorded, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, and that interview is going to come out on Friday. I have two episodes coming out on Friday. So it's going to be the recap of Real Housewives of Orange County and this week's Crappy Lake. And then we're also going to have the interview with Alex Propson as a separate episode. And you'll be able to watch that on YouTube as well. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Big things are happening for the podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for the support. Have a good one. I love you for listening. Good night or good day or good morning. (laughs) 